Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugamin, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. After becoming a mom of three boys with autism, my guest knew that her life needed to change. She continued to ask herself, why me? Then, she realized that she needed to be the person to help her boys and went on a journey of self-discovery. She undertook studying in counseling, coaching, career development, NLP, to name a few, and became a life coach who specializes in getting teens and young adults prepared for the workforce. In our conversation today, it's about accepting yourself and the importance of knowing yourself and being true to who you really are. Thank you and welcome Tamara Stanley to the Driver's Seat Club. Yeah, very excited to be here. It's been quite a journey to learn to get to know myself. And so I'm really excited to be able to share that with your listeners today. Thank you. And I would love you to explore the journey of doing that. So when did it start for you to start to connect with your body and yourself? Yeah, so it started with my boys. I have three boys, all got diagnosed with autism. So we had um, a 12-month period where I had two boys diagnosed with autism and a newborn. And so that was all in 12 months. So it was a big change for us. And then later on, a couple of years later down the track, our third boy got diagnosed with autism. In the process of actually getting, like helping them, you learn that one of the big things with autism is they don't learn socially. So they don't learn by looking and following other people. You have to be explicit and teach them a lot of things. And because they process things slowly, you actually need to take your time and teach them. So what would normally take a child maybe a week or two weeks or maybe even a month to learn. Sometimes it takes like two years to learn one task so they can do it independently by themselves. Like in those early years, it was quite stressful and really overwhelming and a lot of parents with kids with autism go through that as well. We went to a seminar and they said parents with kids with autism actually have the highest stress level of any disability because their behaviours are quite full on and it's not necessarily the same every day and the sensory issues and everything that just kind of make normal life sometimes a bit difficult. So as I was um, looking at them and everything they struggled with, I struggled with the same things, struggling with being social, being 
you know, communicating with other people, speaking what's on my mind. They weren't the only things, but they were kind of the big things that really stood out for me. I'd be scared to go and ask someone for something. I saw that in them. Wow. So would you say that you may have autism as well or not? No, I don't. I think I was really shy growing up. So like growing up, I would keep things to myself. I wouldn't really speak out about things. I internalized everything. I had a lot of wanting to be accepted, but, you know, would not necessarily be myself to put myself out there. I would try and fit into the crowd and just go along with the flow. I found those things really hard. They say that everyone has a bit of autism in them, but it's when you have the whole spectrum, like the triad of impairment that you get diagnosed with autism. But we all have those traits. You know, we like things in an orderly manner. And And how did you feel like the fact that you could see that there was similarity with the difficulty they were having to you too as well? So did that make it easier for you to understand them and then just to move with whatever you knew or it was even harder? It was really hard. For a long time, I questioned, why me? Why give me children that need so much help when I don't know how to help them? You know, you just question why, what can you do to help? I think it became that turning point when you realise that you need to be the mum that they need, not just drinking to yourself all the time. That became my turning point when I knew I needed to really make a move to be able to help them and learn. And it was that decision that started changing my life. How old were they? My eldest, I think it was 11, because when he was 11, he'd been going to the psychologist for a while and he had a lot of anger issues. So he used to be quite violent at home. I remember talking to the psychologist at the end of one of his sessions and she said to me that she can't help him anymore because he doesn't want to help himself. So if he doesn't want to change, there's nothing she can do. It's very hard to hear that when you're trying to help your child. The person that you're putting your faith in can't help. You go home and you bawl your eyes out and you want to do something for them. Deep down you know that they don't want to change. And so yeah, I think that was the decision of then what can I do? How can I help them and try and guide them on that journey? You know, you have those moments that, that hit your heart and tear it out and you just want to fix the world. <laughs> and how did you go, you know, like knowing that with the therapist that's telling you that she can't really help him. So how did you turn things around for you to be able to take better charge? We did a few things. So a lot of the therapies for autism revolve around very structured therapy, putting structure in their life following routines so they don't feel out of sorts and they know what's happening. That didn't work for us. My eldest in particular, because he was so fixated, like if it didn't happen at the certain time in the certain order, all hell would break loose. So we decided to scrap all routine and said, well, what does real life look for them? Or look for us, you know, we do, we all have a routine of some sort. We all follow uh, like a morning routine. We get up, we might get out of bed, have a shower, have a coffee, whatever it is for everyone. Everyone has their little rituals through the day that they like to do, but we can flex and adapt where we need to. And I thought that's what they need to learn. There's a certain amount that we need to help them, but there's a certain, there's 
a certain amount that they need to help themselves to fit to fit in with the way life flows so we scrapped all of that we went through six months of just meltdown after meltdown because we weren't following a routine that they had gotten used to but at the end of that we ended up a lot better off because we knew how to set them up to flow through the day so give them warning what we're going to do, give them, you know, we're going to leave in five minutes, two minutes, one minute, let's go. So we kind of learned how do you set them up for success? And then that's when I decided to start counselling and I really wanted to see that I could help them. And the reason for that was, as I said, with their slow processing, we knew that it would take a while to teach them a new skill. So being at 10... It's not so much what they need at this moment. And we decided to cut our losses. If they were behind in something, they're behind. But what do they need two and three and five years' time? And let's build that skill set so that when they hit that age, they're ready to go. Because if we're teaching them the skills that they need now, they're actually already behind. So we want to teach them ahead of time because in the time that then they get to learn it, embed it, they can stumble, they can fall, and it doesn't matter because they don't actually need it right now. And then then they got it later on. Can you give me an example of that? An example of that is with my eldest. I know most kids get a phone quite early these days. I wasn't a big fan of them getting a mobile phone, but he didn't like talking on the phone and he didn't like necessarily talking to people in conversation. So when he was in year seven, we got him a phone. And I may be the only parent in the world that says you need to make phone calls on this phone. But we gave him the phone and the family and I, we would call and then he would need to answer and, you know, say hello and just learn conversational skills. You know, there was plenty of times where he wouldn't want to answer the phone or, and we had to coax him into that. But over, so that's from year seven and now he's 20 and he's quite confident on the phone, he can answer the phone, he can have a conversation. And this is a skill when you look into work life, you need to be able to talk on the phone. It's getting them to do that and um, getting them to do it early. So by the time they need it, it's, it's already an inbuilt skill. How hard was it on the relationship with you and your husband? It was hard at times. We parent differently and we didn't always agree. We did have the agreement to disagree behind closed doors because it's not right to disagree in front of the kids and then they can learn who they can play off. It was really hard, but he was an amazing dad with the boys as well. We complimented each other in quite a number of ways in that we got them into Yu-Gi-Oh because um, my middle son, he found an interest in Yu-Gi-Oh and you know how they come home and they've got cards and everyone's got cards at school, but they don't necessarily know how to play the game. So we looked at the game and at the time he was seven, he didn't know how to read, he wasn't really good at math and he wasn't the best at socialising but he was getting there. And so we looked at it and there was places local to us that played the game and we thought he has to learn to read the cards to play because there's points in it. He needed to learn how to do subtractions and like maths with the with the game and he had to talk to other people so we actually put our two eldest sons into playing Yu-Gi-Oh the good thing is they they have um 
they both have pretty much photographic memories. So when they, they memorize the cards, but once they start memorizing the cards and they can start actually associating that with the words as well. So we found that it did help. It helped with their reading. It helped with his mouth. And they actually made friends that they're still friends with now. And it's, it's really good. So that was really beneficial for them. Moving back into you, how, because you were saying that that was challenging for you personally to deal with all of that, because at the beginning you thought it was, why me? And then when you turn around and started to focus more on them, what was the learning? Because you say that you, you did EFT, NLP, counseling, and you name it. So what did all of that brought to you, Tamara? At the point in my life when I was going through all that with the boys, I had suffered from depression since I was probably about 11 or 12 years old myself. And I found, so I started with counseling. I even did a bit of HR leadership. Then I got into coaching. It was NLP, hypnosis, did MBIT, and I learned EFT and did and meditation. What it did is for, for you to be able to help someone else, you need to work through your own stuff. So when you're learning all of this, you're actually taking yourself through the processes and going through and this is when you, you have those massive breakthroughs of what's been holding you back, understanding how to go through that using processes to really emotionally work through a process sometimes you just don't know what it is that's holding you back like you think it's one thing and then as you work through you find it's oh it's not that it's something else entirely and you're just like oh when you when that comes to you it's just an amazing difference like you just emotion like once you work through it it actually lifts off and the one thing that I've been learning lately and going through is the Sedona method, which really talks about, and this is probably the biggest thing that's made a massive difference in the last year for me is how we, when we're working through things and the emotions that come up in society, we're not necessarily told that we can work through our emotions at the time. We're told to suck it up. Don't cry. It's okay, you don't need to cry. And we, we we comfort people when they're in that position rather than letting them work through the emotion. And so a lot of them, we suppress the emotion. And when we suppress it, we hold it in our body. And that's when we have pain, you know, and it can be chronic pain, it can be long-lasting pain. And... Um, it's about actually getting back in touch with it and working through the emotion. So when you actually get in touch and work through it, it, it actually doesn't take long to release the emotion, but you need to be willing to let it go. And how long did it take you to let it go? I've been doing it for um, a couple of months now. The process itself, when you, when you, like if you read the book, it's, it doesn't take very long, but you can find if you go through it once, you can still hold on. And sometimes, you know, they've done the wrong thing by me. They should pay for what they've done. It's a lot of, ties in with a lot of forgiveness and hold on to that. What was the name of the book? The Sedona Method. Sodano. 
Sedona. So S E D O N A. Okay. And it's Hal Doskin. That's really good because I think it's a great information uh, and reference for people. So when you said when you get rid of the pain, then what happened? When you get rid of the pain, you feel so much lighter. So I have a condition called Chiari malformation, and it's basically the bottom part of your brain is too big to fit in your skull, and it causes a lot of problems. And one of the big problems is you get intense pain down your neck and across your shoulders. A lot of the time I would get a shooting pain just to turn my head left or right, and it would require, I was pretty much at the stage of getting a massage every week, but not getting relief necessarily like I'll get a relief for a day but not ongoing when you tie it into work I use the Sedona method and tie it into work of um, depending on where the pain is in your body what it relates to so I go into it feel the pain and work out what it is what's happening in my life that is um, letting that pain stay there for me with the with the pain in the shoulders and the neck, a lot of it came down to. So when I went into it and you kind of just, I asked myself what's happening. A decision I made very long ago was I wanted to be the best mum. I wanted to be that perfect mum for my kids. And I had in my mind created a picture of what that meant and what I would do. And even if it frustrated me and made, you know, just, took me to breaking point I wanted to follow through I was doing things that didn't necessarily need to be done and my kids didn't necessarily want me to do it or didn't care if I did or I didn't after I went through that process I actually stopped doing some things so one of the easiest things was um, I'd spend an hour to two hours a week ironing wow I know there's a lot of clothes with boys I was talking and I went, do you know what? I actually don't need to do it. Most of their clothes actually don't need ironing because they just have polo shirts for school and anything that really does need ironing, I do iron, but I'll iron when we use it. So now I haven't ironed in probably two months. Wow. And how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel a difference? I was going for so going through the Sedona method and then finding out what it was and making a few changes. That was one of them. The other one was all the boys got a room to clean, so I didn't have to clean all the rooms. They've got room to vacuum and clean every week themselves. From then, I have had one massage in those two months. And when I got that massage, I wasn't in pain, so they, they didn't go, oh, my gosh, you're so tight. It was I'm still probably tight, but not as bad as it was I haven't had the chronic pain so I'm actually able to turn my neck without it hurting maybe it was all the ironing that was creating this tension it's amazing how sometimes the simple little things can cause us so much angst in our body we're not consciously aware of the decisions we're made and the impact it's having on us one of the things that I always repeat to myself is no beliefs are real when we break it down what is a belief a belief is a thought we've told ourselves enough that now we believe is true when we understand that it's not necessarily true it's something we've chosen to believe you can break it down and go do i really believe this is true so do i believe by doing this activity i'm being the best mum 
Yes. Would you say that you're questioning basically that belief? A lot of it when I was working through and getting to know who I was. And one of the things I do with a lot of my clients is you start with, what do you like? And what do you not like? And this seems like the simplest question, but it took me six months to work out what I liked. That makes sense, though, because you had so many things going on. And many parents with autism would probably know this. When you've got the kids, you change to adapt to them because sometimes loud noises are hard. Sometimes, you know, going to the shops is hard. Going out for dinner is impossible. So there's certain things that you change and even the food you eat you change because they've got a very limited diet you think you like things because you're doing them but it's not the case so when you go through that process I started writing well it took me a while to actually write a couple of things down but then I started writing and actually challenging each one do I like it because I like it or do I like it because someone else has said I should like it and not necessarily explicitly saying you like this, but... That's so interesting. So give me an example. I'm very excited about <laughs> knowing. Give me an example of something that you thought that you like. A lot of the things I thought I only liked really plain foods and it wasn't the case. So I went on and like lots of people would ask during this period of time, I started a new job or working in a new location. and my team at the time loved going out for lunches so it was a very social group and I'd go to all these places and I'm like oh I don't like that oh I don't like that and I became the really picky person my kids didn't like all of that and then I went do you know what let's try it and so I found all these foods that I liked and I just kept going oh you know I like Thai and I like this and I like Lebanese food and so there was all these things, oh, there was Greek food and I started actually writing and then I would say, all right, I what is all the things I haven't done? And so I'd go out and do them. And a lot of the time I would do them by myself. So I took a week off work and just filled it in with things to do. So I went on a tall ship and I'm afraid of heights, but I climbed the mast and I did that and that was awesome. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I love being out in the bush. And so I just found all these things. So now I, um, you know, 101 things that you want to do and put them all on there because you've got to try them. You can't say you like it or you don't like it without trying it. And what I did is even the things that I like, I would redo them and then go, oh, do I actually, am I actually really enjoying this? When you're influenced by other people and they go, oh yeah, I like this or no, I didn't really like that. Sometimes in my head, I, I can even hear it now. You go, oh, did I really like that? Or do I want to agree and be accepted into what they agree, what they think? When it's good to just go through some of that by yourself to really start to understand do I like it because I like it or do I like it because someone else? That's such an amazing way to learn how to know yourself better. So, so great. So where are you at now? Where are you at now? Like after doing the courses, reading that book and just practicing and learning more. So where is Tamara? So at the end of last year, 
after spending 14 years in banking and finance, well, actually it's about 18 years in banking and finance and 14 years with one employer, I accepted a redundancy. Congratulations. If I didn't have my big goal in place, I would have been terrified. When I started the coaching and the counselling, I knew that my kids needed help with building the skill set to get into the workplace. A lot of this is the employability skills on how to communicate properly, how to interact, how to work with people and self-management, looking after themselves. And so I knew that they needed to do a lot of that. So my goal had been to actually set up a business and close a gap that's in the market of really building those employability skills for kids, teens and young adults. So I've actually started my own business, coaching and training for teens and young adults. So it's really exciting. So I start from 14 years based on kids can start work from 14, 14 and nine months. But even if they didn't want to start part-time work, that 14 covers the last couple of years of high school. So you get the time to teach them these skills in a fun environment, which isn't sit down in a classroom and you have to learn X, Y, and Z. This is more about building the character of a person um, and getting them in touch with who they are, who they want to be, and helping them set the goals based on that and not based on I'm at school, I've got these grades, what course can I get into at university? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of the time kids, are, when they're talking about careers, they've probably only got maybe three or five different options that they're weighing up. And a lot of that is because we're influenced by the people that we know and the jobs that we know. And that's normally a small sphere of what's actually out there. And as you know, technology and everything changes so quickly, a lot of these jobs may not even be here in 10 years' time and there'll be a lot of jobs that will be coming in 10 years' time and there's more and more research to suggest that the employability skills are more important than the technical skills with employers happy to teach technical skills. Technical skills will change more rapidly so you have to keep up to date with those Whereas your employability skills, all those soft skills are not taught in schools, are not taught by employers, but they're one of the biggest signs of success for people and how they move through their career. They're the ones that can be transferred across industries, across roles um, and across jobs. So if we can teach these to our kids very early on, you know, in through knowing yourself, you actually build your own self-confidence when we we don't know who we are that we give into peer pressure we accept things that don't belong to us um, and not align to us but when we know who we are we're very strong in our values and what we want and we know when to say no and we know when to say yes and that's when we build confidence because we trust ourselves to make the right decisions that's amazing wow so would you say that uh, accepting your identity and creating your own business. For how long now since you opened it? I left my role in November last year and took a few months. So it's really only been this year. I've just opened an offer so I can do face-to-face. I started more online given COVID. 
I'm not really sure where that was going, but now I think we're like in Australia, we're quite good here and very lucky. And New South Wales is absolutely amazing. So we don't close down very much. So it gave me a lot of confidence to go, let's go face to face. I love face to face. I think people get a lot more out of it. While I do one on one work, a lot of it is um, group work. They know other people are in the same situation when they can learn off each other, you, they'll get twice the learning from a group than they will just from one-on-one work. Yes, absolutely. And would you say that you're on the driver's seat of your life and yourself now? Now you know yourself better? When you know yourself, you can start to be intentional with what you do. So prior to this, it's pretty much been very reactive. What's there in front of me? Do I do this or do I do that? Where it's now, where do I want to go? How do I get there? And how do I move forward? Fantastic. What is your takeaway like for the people who are listening and from your whole experience, having the three kids that were diagnosed with autism and then uh, yourself uh, feeling that you have to know yourself to better help them. So what would you take away? Um, the biggest takeaway is to love yourself unconditionally, to know that you're perfect just the way you are which can be hard, but with self-love, then we learn to give ourselves self-care, a daily practice, not activities that are done once a week, once a month, because you're in dire straits. It's the daily practice of looking after yourself, giving yourself enough sleep, downtime, time out if something's going wrong and really taking the time because it's in those times of self-care when you give yourself a bit of space that you can actually start tuning into who you are and when we connect in with who we are everything else falls into place because that's when you're you're in touch with your intuition you know what to ask for and those things they just float into your life when you know where you're going and where you want to be everything else just falls into place what a great way to finish well thank you so much tamara for being in the driver's seat club today very very amazing the story that you shared with us so inspiring as well thank you Valerie for having me it's been a pleasure I've loved every minute of it thank you for listening stay tuned and subscribe to the driver's seat club until next time have a powerful day